We are back. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I am Josh, and we're here to give you a brand new start to a new series today. Last week, we finished up the Obi-Wan series with some fun rankings and bonus material, debated MVP of the series, all that good stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. But today, today, we are moving into the beast that's going to close out season two of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We are touching on House of Dragon. It's going to go episode one today. We're going to do one episode per podcast episode. So get ready, motherfuckers, because today is the day. It's House of Dragon time. It's going to be huge. Before we start, though, I do want to go ahead and give a moment of silence for Robbie Coltrane. He is the actor who played Hagrid in the Harry Potter series. He gave a lot of memories to a lot of us growing up. Huge part of the series, so... We're going to put our glasses in the air, have a moment of silence for Robbie Coltrane. Thank you so much for being a part of our childhood and hopefully inspiring others to be a good person. So, Cheers. All right. Now, after that somber note, let's get into the fun today. Like I said, we are jumping into House of Dragon. Chase is going to go ahead and take us through episode one. You know he's a Targaryen. He's the dragon guy on the show, so you know he's got to kick us off in style. So before we go ahead and get started, I'll pass the floor over to Chase to say a few words, and he's going to dive into the episode. Two years, and we're back in King's Landing, baby. Let's go. Let's go. This is the banger you've all been waiting for. We've seen all the suggestions on TikTok, all the suggestions that y'all wrote reviews for years on our big banger Game of Thrones. Here we are, back from one banger franchise to the other. We're not letting it go this season without going out with fireworks baby and we're burning it down let's fucking go let's fucking go baby let's get it going man let's get a malice in the chalice season two final arc baby this is what we do here let's get it going man malice in the chalice brother it's house of dragon time let's do it cheers man cheers brother cheers So, starting off, man, by the way, let me pass this to you for a second. How did you feel during this first opening of how did it feel to be, even though it's not exactly the same, but to be back in the same universe again in the world of Westeros? Like, how did that feel uh, the moment this episode came on? You know, it was really exciting because I love the opening it was almost a a flashback that transitioned to where we were going to start this series and it just felt great to see you know this is like you said back in the world of Westeros we see some Targaryens we see part of like the politics at play right away and and it, it was very reminiscent of the excitement people felt when the original Game of Thrones started catching traction all right because I, I would say the the original Game of Thrones didn't really catch on you know, probably until after the, the first season, but then it blew up. And I think that because of how season eight ended for Game of Thrones, people were going to tune in to either be really upset or really excited to see if we can kind of fix some things that happened in that series. And, you know, I think that they are on their way to doing that. Obviously, um, there, there are some things that we're going to talk about that are brought up here 
in episode one that may have stuff to, you know, things to play down the road. And so, like you said, when I saw the opening scene and, you know, we've got Jaharis on the throne trying to decide, you know, who's going to be his, his heir and all that good stuff that you're going to get into. I'm like, all right, let's see. Let's go with the Targaryen dynasty. Let's see where this all, you know, leads to. We got, we're going to have some dragons. We're going to have all the cool shit. So I was very excited. It was, I'm not sure if I can say it was a nostalgic feel, but it really gave me the excitement that I remember from watching Game of Thrones for the first time. So that's how I felt about it. What about you? Exactly the same. It and uh, what I loved the most was um, even though the visuals are always stunning on Game of Thrones. Now that they got the budget, right? It um, it's just it really had that iconic start to Game of Thrones feel. Just like season one of Game of Thrones, it wasn't overly exaggerated with visuals and dragon fire and all this shit everywhere but you had the sense that wow we are back in this crazy world of politics where everything's up for grabs everyone's in the danger zone and uh man it it just kicks off on a banger so what do you say i'll go ahead and take it away man what do you think jump right into it dude Let's do it. So as we're first starting out, what's funny is we covered Lord of the Rings. It kind of had a little bit of like a Lord of the Rings narration start, I felt like. But uh, this person, we she's very familiar. <laughs> you find out later, is narrating it right now. And you don't know who the narrator is. But she says, as the first century of the Targaryen dynasty came to a close, the health of old King Jaehaerys was failing in those days house targaryen stood at the height of its strength with 10 adult dragons under its yoke no power in the world could stand against it king jaharis reigned over nearly 60 years of peace and prosperity but tragedy had claimed both his sons leaving his succession in doubt so in the year 101 the old king called a great council to choose an heir over a thousand lords made the journey to Harrenhal. Fourteen succession claims were heard, but only two were truly considered. Princess Rhaenys Targaryen, the king's eldest defendant, and her younger cousin, Prince Viserys Targaryen, the king's eldest male descendant. King Jaehaerys says, It is declared by all the lords paramount and lords vassal of the seven kingdoms that Prince Viserys Targaryen will be made Prince of Dragonstone. Back to the narrator. Rhaenys, a woman, would not inherit the Iron Throne. The lords instead chose Viserys, my father. Jaehaerys called the Great Council to prevent a war being fought over his succession, for he knew the cold truth. The only thing that could tear down the house of the dragon was itself. Badass. And then we see the gold dragon symbol, symbol, sigil, very similar to the red one we've always seen come on screen. And on screen it says, It is now the ninth year of the King Viserys I Targaryen's reign, 172 years before the death of the Mad King Ares and the birth of his daughter, Princess Daenerys Targaryen. Let's go, baby! Let's go! 
So now we all know what this is going to be about now. This is all set up as a prequel, and we're going to have some controversy. <laughs> what do you think, Jay Nelly? So this was such a cool introduction. And like you said, I do. It, obviously, it's going to be a prequel of sorts. I, I still think it's probably going to lead up to... I think this is mainly going to focus on the Targaryen Civil War, most likely, right? So I don't know if it's going to lead right up to... Uh, where we you know kind of came to in the Game of Thrones original series, right. but uh, you know I, this was just so crazy because like you said we start looking at the politics of it already. You know King Jaehaerys has to decide. You know his eldest descendant was Princess Rhaenys, and for people who don't know, and I know I know this isn't directly stated in the show just yet, but just to kind of put the family tree together, Rhaenys was actually uh, Jaehaerys's eldest son's eldest daughter. So, so uh, Rhaenys is the granddaughter of Jaehaerys, the oldest, you know, grandchild, and Viserys is the younger of the two, but he was male. So that is how Rhaenys is related to Jaehaerys. She's the granddaughter, so she is the eldest of his son's children. So, just wanted to point that out there. But dude, it was really cool, and I really like the way that that. I even said like the only thing that could tear down the House of the Dragon was itself. That's such a foreshadow for what this whole damn series is going to be about. And it's so fucking cool. And then, then not to be outdone, the next thing that comes across that screen is the whole 172 years before the death of the <laughs> Mad King and the uh, birth of the Princess Daenerys Targaryen. So, you know, I just I mean, filled me with so much hope because I. I, like I said, I know a lot, we are all upset with how season eight of Game of Thrones ended, but you know this this is the first time. Like, okay, we're gonna come into something really, really cool here. It's got its own storyline, but it's gonna tie into what we saw already. And then on top of that, we already know they're doing spinoff shows. With, like, we already talked about like that Snow series is coming out mm-hmm. too. So, like, I just think this is the 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 whole answer to people's complaints about Game of Thrones. They're gonna end up making it right, whether it takes three or four yeah. spinoff series. This is why I'm excited is because this right here so far to this point has got me sucked in and it's only like 10 minutes into the very first episode. So I'll let you go ahead and continue on, but those are my thoughts on it. No, great thoughts, man. And uh, a side point here is think about how much controversy was going to, as far as expectation went before this started. This was literally in the words of Lord of the Rings of Galadriel on the edge of a knife. This is either going to go great or it's going to go bad. And this catalyst, in my opinion, is what's saving the whole Game of Thrones universe right now. So, but let's get to the dragons, baby. So, not to ruin it for you guys, but (laughs) so the person we just heard. So we see this girl uh as what happens is she's soaring on this big gold dragon coming into play and it definitely gave me old memories of drogon it was awesome uh very similar to felix here this big gold dragon cyrax comes down and we see princess rhaenyria gets off cyrax and they go put uh cyrax into it's almost like because technically the dragon pit isn't built yet at this point in the series. So they put him kind of like back in this cave thing, right? Is kind of where he went. Is that what you call it? Like a little tunnel? I'm actually c- confused about that. Because if I'm not mistaken, uh, a-, a later point during... I'm not sure if it's going to be this week or next week when we talk about this. But remember when Vagar is brought up to King Viserys and 
and the, mm-hmm. the person who brings him up, I don't want to give this away because it's important, says like, uh, Vagar was too big for the dragon pits, and then King Viserys says, some say too big for this world. So were the dragon pits, was it the dragon pit? Because it seems like they at that point they brought it up, it had to have been made or created at that point. See, what based on a later episode, what I was under the assumption here is the dragon pit is still in construction. Okay. So like part of it's there, but it's not fully equipped for all okay. that. So I couldn't tell it's not really important. I couldn't really tell if they put him in like a little tunnel <laughs> cave or whatever it was, or if that was Honestly, exactly the dragon pit. You know what it looked like? It looked like when they were over in Marine in the original Game of Thrones where they she kept uh yeah. you know, Viserion and Rhaegar. Uh, you know, before they let him go, and they you had that whole teary moment. This cannot be forgiven, and then they shoot starts blowing the shit up, right? So like <laughs> they kind of remind me of where they had him in the chains underneath the the pyramid in Marine. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it was considered the dragon pit or not, just because I remember one of them saying like, "Hey, Vagar was too big for the dragon pit, so he couldn't stay here." And then you know, Viserys is like, "Some say too big for this world." So I just didn't know if the dragon that was considered the dragon pit or if it hasn't been completed or what. So. Uh, but no good good insight there yeah no good stuff so at this point so we see Rhaenyra goes and meets with Alicent so Alicent Hightower best friends with Rhaenyra at this point and uh, Rhaenyra hops down from Cyrax and you know goes and meets with Alicent and then Rhaenyra goes and meets with her mother which her mother uh, uh, Queen Emma is pregnant and Rhaenyra says you know Rhaenyra's mother says, Rhaenyra, you know I don't like you to go flying while I'm in this condition. And Rhaenyra says, you don't like me to go flying while you're in any condition. Did you sleep? Rhaenyra's mom says, I slept. And Rhaenyra says, how long? I don't need mothering, Rhaenyra. But here you are, surrounded by attendants, all focused on the babe. Someone has to attend to you. Rhaenyra, you will lie in this bed soon enough. Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra's mom. This discomfort is how you serve the you. We will serve the realm. Rhaenyra says, "I would rather serve as a knight and ride to battle in glory." Rhaenyra's mother, we have royal wounds. You and I, the child's bed is our battlefield. We must learn to face it with a stiff lip. Now take a bath. You stink of dragon. So we're already starting to see, but this is a patriarchal world. And we see what their role here is and how this is looked upon, which is how Viserys kind of became king in this moment. So at this point, we go over to Viserys at his table with the council and Corlys Valerian. Um, so he actually, I like, yeah, I like the way like the Valerians kind of looked in this. They kind of had like the blonde dreaded hair, which is badass. Um, so he's talking with Viserys in the table and he's the master of ships and tells Viserys about the crab feeder that's causing havoc in the stepstones and Rhaenyra interrupts and Rhaenyra is the cupbearer at this point for her father the king and uh, also at the table is the hand of the king Otto Hightower what a role he will play <laughs> what a Dude. role he will play if anyone was like uh, a well spoken uh I can't. He's almost like a Tywin mixed with Littlefinger <laughs> in a way is the best way I can describe. It. How would you describe Otto? You see, like I didn't get that from Otto because I really do think overall, and this is what's so great about all these characters in this 
show and we'll talk about it too when we meet you know one of the big guys that everyone loves you know so far here in just a couple minutes but i do think he his best interest like he, his interest is in the interest of the realm what he thinks is gonna be best for the realm i don't really mm-hmm. think he was trying to do things for personal gain and i don't want to give anything away just yet but like i wouldn't really kind of characterize him as a little finger uh, or tywin crossover or even anything similar I really think he's more, he, he's his own character. Just because Littlefinger was only ever wanting to do things for himself and rise in his own station. And and Tywin, I think he just really wanted his family name to kind of ring on forever. He was all about legacy. And I'm not right. entirely sure that Otto Hightower, Hightower is really really any of these things. I think he saw the, the potential of the fallout from what could happen, which we'll talk about not too long from now, mm-hmm. of, you know, when it comes to the succession. And he's like, we have to figure out a way to make sure this realm doesn't fall apart, you know, because obviously, not, not to give anything away, but we saw just in the very opening credits, you know, Princess Rhaenys was looked over and even though she had the better mm-hmm. claim to the throne for Viserys. So, you know, it already happened once, and the, the, all of Westeros were the ones that voted on it. It was a great council. It wasn't just King Jaehaerys who made the decision. He had everyone kind of come together, and that was the decision they made. So Otto Hightower is not an idiot. He's like, hey, like this already, like history repeats itself, right? So I don't want to give anything away, but I just I don't think he's a self-serving character. I don't, I, I don't agree with a lot of the actions he does or the way he goes about it, but it's hard for me to characterize him as someone as self-serving as Littlefinger or as you know just wanting to keep the legacy going that i would kind of almost think that that lord corley say you're talking about is more like tywin lannister you know wanting to keep like the legacy strong you know like the history books remember names all that kind of shit that we'll, we'll go into but i i just think Otto hightower is his own character i think he does weird you know questionable decisions but i think he does have the the realm in mind when he does it but i know that was a long-winded answer to that but that's that's what i think so no i agree and i'll go on the record and say this i think the issue with a lot of people watching this show is people tend to take sides and they don't look at both parties and i think you have to look at both parties with a neutral perspective and i don't really think there's any good guys here but at the same time if you keep everything a neutral perspective, you can really see, uh, try to see at least what people's intentions are. And I'll just say that because we don't want to give anything away. But there's also so, yeah. one other thing I just want to mention when you were talking about the crab feeder. I thought the crab feeder's uh, name, like his actual name, was pretty cool. It's a uh, Kragas Drahar, and that's the Prince yeah. Admiral of the Triarchy, which you know is, is basically translates to the Crab Feeder, Kragas Drahar. I thought that's super cool. But anyways, go ahead and continue on where you left off. No, it's badass, man. Uh, so Lyman Beesbury, he's the master of coin. Uh, his job was this is a big point because his job was originally given to Damon. A lot of people don't know this, but Damon grows bored, <laughs> and we're gonna get into our boy Damon in a bit. You know, we're both Team Damon on this show, man. Sorry, not sorry, audience. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, the Grand Maester is uh, Run Cedar. Uh, Lyman begins discussing Damon's absence at the table and if his time is well invested. Damon is Viserys' brother. Coralie starts urging Viserys to not take the crab feeder lightly 
and then auto interrupts and recommends discussing the tournament because there's a tournament that's going to be planned which you probably have heard on bonus episodes that we've had before or just us discussing in passing with the stuff with liana stark and stuff they would do these tournaments to celebrate like the birth of a male child that's happening so it's they don't exactly know yet but they're thinking that uh queen emma is pregnant with a boy at this point um, just real real quick too um his name is lionel strong not lyman it's lionel strong that's the oh name. lyman yeah. lionel he doesn't <laughs> yeah. really matter i just want to make sure that we got that on there but yeah because yeah he actually does play <laughs> yeah. an important role uh so yeah no lionel strong is it's, uh that's his name so lionel there we go Remember the term strongs. <laughs> Foreshadowing at its finest. Anyways, yeah, sorry, Lionel Strong. So, um, Rhaenyra then heads to the throne room, and Damon, a Targaryen, is sitting in the chair. Let's fucking go, baby! And he's sitting on the Iron Throne. Like, think how kind of, like, more like, it's not. I think it's kind of disrespectful. It's kind of like, fuck you. <laughs> That's really what it is. Like, doesn't show up to the meeting at all. <laughs> and he's sitting on the Iron Throne. What do you think about that? Dude, I, first off, let me paint the picture of this, too. Because this is something I think is it's weird. I won't gonna call it a full circle because it's kind of this is kind of in the past when it happened. But let's paint the picture of what this throne room looks like. Because you remember back in Game of Thrones when... Uh, Lord Varys and Lord Baelish were talking about like the thousand blades of Aegon's enemies. Well, remember just in the Game of Thrones series, it was just the throne, and they're like, hey, there's maybe 200 swords in it. But in this one, you can see there's lined up of swords on either side that lead to the Iron Throne, and there's definitely got to be close to a thousand swords there. So I love how they really kind of did this. And so the, the history really did kind of prove Baelish and Lord Varys wrong. Because they're like, yeah, there's only about 200 swords here. Well, because it's only a, a piece of what it used to be, you know. And that, I thought that's really important to notate. It had you know, hundreds of swords on either side, the right side and the left side, leading up to the steps that led to the iron chair itself, the throne. So definitely want to paint that picture. But in terms of Damon just sitting there like he owned the place, I thought that was badass. He's like, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck about your rules. I'm technically the oldest heir, so this chair is going to be mine one day because you kept trying to have baby boys, Viserys, and you can't, so I'm going to be the one to take over when you're gone. Dude, I think he was so pumped about that, too. Like, secretly in Damon's mind, if you look in Damon's mind, I think secretly he was like, fuck yeah, this shit ain't gonna be a boy, baby. This shit ain't gonna be a boy. <laughs> I think, I, I do agree that he's probably excited that, like, about, like, the child's chances of being a male, but I don't think he's excited about the prospect of his brother passing away, because there's a lot of things I will say that yeah. I do think he really does care about his brother, regardless of how he shows true. it, and so, and then we'll get into that more later, but go ahead and continue on, brother. Uh, and welcome back to the World of Thrones, baby. Have you, as you've seen on our interesting facts on TikTok with the Elvish and you've seen uh, our repost into TikToks now of some of our original episodes. I got the Valyrian for you, baby. I got the Valyrian. Let's make it happen, baby. Let's make it happen. So Rhaenyra heads to the throne room. Seems Damon sitting like a fucking badass on that chair. 
By the way, I want to clear this up. This is High Valyrian. So a lot of the stuff you would hear from Josh and I in the original Game of Thrones season one was a lot of low Valyrian or a Dothraki, which is a different language. <laughs> so if it sounds a little different, that's why. But so Rhaenyra says, Sparrow Driga se Galma Kebus, which is what do you think you're doing, Uncle? By the way, I should roll my R's a little more, but I have a Georgia accent. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Damon in High Valyria goes, Now, Voso Demon, que senor adavemos damalario us, this could be my chair. <laughs> right here it says, Havenle valos das deor, not if you're executed first. Then right here it says, En su dramas corda primas deor, you haven't come to court in an age Damon I accounted Bakari Kaderi Korisa court is so dreadfully boring Rhaenyra Sapa Vertis Sobasato Masta then why come back at all Damon Capriora Unsunt Kantan Pradira Rota I heard your father was hosting a tournament in my honor Rhaenyra Kotrana Sut Isa the tournament is for his heir, Damon. Exia un tantan, just as I said. <laughs> and then he's holding this ruby necklace. By the way, I got to give myself props. I never thought I'd actually say that correctly, but that's why I actually practiced it a thousand times. <laughs> and this ruby necklace. Then Rhaenyra says, Drano Sahut Arasit, his new heir. Damon says, Awamundrisia. Si sodir irogat barim. Until your mother brings forth a son, you are cursed with me. Rhaenyra says, Nasa pivat runquik dungeoni. Then I shall hope for a brother. And then Damon in English says, I brought you something. Do you know what it is? And he put, starts putting the necklace on Rhaenyra. And pay attention to the symbol on this, because this is pretty cool, actually, I think. But Rhaenyra says, it's Valyrian steel, like Dark Sister. And Dark Sister is the sword that Damon carries. Damon says, Turn around now. You and I both own a piece of our ancestors. Kavi, which means beautiful. And it's pretty cool. And um, uh, so uh, that necklace is, is, it plays a role. But Alicent, at this point, we're cutting back over to Alicent and Rhaenyra are together. And Alicent says, do you ever worry about your position? And she's kind of laying on top of, Rhaenyra is laying on Alicent kind of with a book. Rhaenyra and Alicent are discussing the story of Nymeria and her story of 10,000 ships. And this is cool because that's a spinoff they're working on. Remember uh, the story Dance of Dragons. We heard that in a short clip during uh, season five and season six of Game of Thrones. So uh, Rhaenyra rips the page out so they can keep it and Allison kind of looks at her and I it's kind of interesting because Allison she's a high tower so it's kind of like she kind of goes by the rules a lot I think and then Rhaenyra just goes fuck the scepter <laughs> and it's great and quick little backstory the high towers uh, usually follow the scepter baylor because they're a lot more religious which plays a role in the show uh, so then we see Viserys and he has these oozing holes on his skin, causing him to look sick. It looks disgusting. I, it looked like leprosy to me. What, what would you think that was? 
Bro, I don't know, but it was disgusting. You're absolutely right. It was like the, the flesh was peeling. It had like pus around it. It was nasty as fuck. <laughs> but one thing I did want to mention about Allison and Rhaenyra, and I want people to pay attention, is like, especially in this first episode, see how close they are. They're like holding hands together to like take each other places. You know, like, like you mentioned, Rhaenyra's laying on Allison's lap. Like, they are the best of friends. They are the closest that you could possibly be. And I just, I, I, I want everyone to remember where this started with their friendship. So that's all I'm going to say. Just really pay attention to how close they are. They trust each other. They love each other as basically sisters. And we're going to see how this uh, series progresses and how their relationship may or may not change. So that's all I mentioned there. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so then Viserys goes and sees his pregnant wife in the tub and is discussing how he thinks it's a boy and he says he's seen a dream. And he says, Our son was born wearing Aegon's iron crown. When I heard the sound of thundering hooves, splintering shields, and ringing swords, and I placed our son upon the iron throne as the bells of the Grand Sept tolled, and all the dragons roared as one. And then Viserys' wife, Queen Emma, says, Born wearing a crown of gods? Spare the birth is unpleasant enough as it is. This is the last time, Viserys. I've lost one babe in the cradle, and had two stillbirths and two pregnancies ended well before their term. That's five and twice as many years. I know it's my duty to provide you an heir, and I'm sorry that I have failed you in that, but I've mourned all my dead children that I can. So, you know, you can definitely tell they've been having some issues. But Damon, at this point, arrives in the city, commander of the gold cloaks. <laughs> Shit is going down. Side note, this is another kind of interesting fact here. So Damon kind of became the leader of the gold cloaks because as we were talking about the council, like he had this position and he just got bored. So they would give him these things to do. <laughs> so he became like the gold cloaks leader. He actually, a lot of people don't know this, he is the one that came up with that kind of high fashion with the actual cloak on there, which is cool because it plays into the world of Thrones. Remember my boy, Jamie. <laughs> so good stuff, man. Like if I'm not but, mistaken, uh, sorry, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had like two different positions on the small council and they, they were like, we tried this and he didn't fit for this reason. We, and I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit later, but yeah. you're like, you're right. He, they're, they're just trying to give him something to do. And, and so... <laughs> They ended up investing in the City Watch, and he's Lord Commander of the City Watch. And, you know, he walks in and gives this big pump-up speech. Yeah, like, I think that I'm sure you're probably going to go into it, but, like, that was awesome. You know, it's, uh, he's, he's a really cool guy, and, you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Go ahead and continue on, brother. This is kind of funny, too, because this speech, if you really dive into it, it's a little ironic because, like, you're the Stark on the show, so it talks about hounds. <laughs> it's all about the dragons and, you know, how they're going to uh, basically take it. Did you day. just compare a wolf with a hound? You're disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hound dog. Woo! <laughs> Anyways, but, uh, and by the way, his armor was fucking badass, man. That's exactly how I picture Rhaegar's looked and it was sick like it had the dragon head with the wings on the helmet it was badass dude but uh this monologue is sick so damon um has like his it almost reminded me of like uh, achilles in a way with like his group but like a not as cool like achilles and they were like all next to him uh, with the cloaks and everything around him and he goes when i took command of the watch you were stray mongrels starving and undisciplined 
Now you're a pack of hounds. You're sated and honed for the hunt. My brother's city has fallen into squalor. Crime of every bray of every breed has been allowed to thrive no longer. Beginning tonight, King's Landing will learn to fear the color gold. And they start going through a rampage. It's fucked up, man. <laughs> They're like just like Darth Vader, man. They were just pulling people out of walls, chopping people's arms off, beating the shit out of them. They cut a dude's dick off. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I actually, I actually went ahead and uh, detailed Take what it. punishment fit what crime. So as they were pouring through the city and were punishing the criminals. Thieves got their hands cut off, rapists got their dicks cut off, and at the very end, the murderer, Damon took Dark Sister and hacked his fucking head off and then grabbed it and put it on the pile at the very end. So, like I said, thieves, hands gone. Rapists, dicks gone. Murderers, heads gone. So That was he- perfect. <laughs> heads will fucking roll, baby. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. it was badass. Uh, so, of course, Otto Hightower the next day is pissed. Like, people on that table are pissed that he just went making people roll in the city. Over there torturing Flea Bottom. <laughs> Throw some oil on it, baby! Throw some oil on it! Fuck yeah! So, um, <laughs> Otto Hightower is like, like, basically like, this, this cannot be allowed, this act of kind of impunity. And Damon just sits there like, who gives a fuck, man? Like, who gives a fuck? And Damon argues that he's enforcing the king's laws. And uh, <laughs> uh, Otto argued that his, ra- his ways were cruel and unjust, and this just cannot happen. And Otto questions Damon on his wife and says, where's your wife? I haven't seen her in quite some time. And Damon says, I think my bronze bitch was happier for my absence. <laughs> <laughs> wow anyways and then so Otto says a good honorable lady of the veil Damon good men in the cloak are sent to fuck sheep instead of women I can assure you the sheep are prettier <laughs> how fucked up is that man anyways and then so Otto uh, says you made a vow before the seven to honor your wife in marriage once again going to the high tower how they're really stuck to like the sept of Baylor here Damon says well if gladly uh, I'll give you Lady Rhea to you Lord Hightower if you're in want of a woman to warm your bed your old lady wife passed recently did she not fucked up man <laughs> perhaps you are not ready to move on just yet <laughs> that's fuck that was a low blow dude Otto stands up and he's like seething <laughs> with anger man but the king calms him down and says Otto you know how my brother makes sport of provoking you and Viserys to Damon uh, says this council has a great expense bettered the city watch to your exacting standards uh, Viserys says this to Damon enforce my laws but understand any further performances like last night's will be answered and Damon just walks out <laughs> fuck you man <laughs> yeah go for it there's one thing I want to mention I think is kind of important about this uh, this situation the small council mm-hmm. meeting Lord Corliss almost took Damon's side in a way he's like the people should fear the city watch 
So you see he supports Damon, and I think that's going to yeah. come into play a little bit. Uh, I, I think that's a great little foreshadow of maybe some sort of a, agreement between the two, Damon and, and Corlys Velaryon. So wanted to mention that there before Damon walks off all, all annoyed. So. Oh, yeah, no worries. And here we are, back to classic Game of Thrones. <laughs> classic Game of Thrones. We're in a brothel. <laughs> And it's kind of strange, slightly uncomfortable. Uh, you know, people are watching, so that's a little weird. But uh, you can tell, I'll just say, Damon's stressed out. <laughs> like, he's stressed out. He kind of stops mid-performance. <laughs> like, mid-performance. I think that's a good way to say it, right? That's a great, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> there you go. But uh, his girl he's with is my serious. She's stunning, man. She, she's gorgeous. What do you think? I agree. Honestly, you know what she reminded me of a little bit of uh, uh, Talia from like, like yeah. Rob, Rob Stark, Rob Stark's wife. Uh, so I thought, yeah, yeah, for sure. I was thinking the same. That was great. But so he's stressed out. We won't really I'm sorry, go into the to act. Uh, uh, Talisa, not not Talia. I got they got the name wrong. But yeah, uh, Talisa, like Rob Stark's uh, old wife from Game of Thrones. So. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I wonder. I wonder if they're both from Volantis. I wonder if she's from Volantis because remember she's like says later on she can't even remember where she's from. I, I know it doesn't give anything away, but it's something that they say later on. But I'm I'm curious if they were both like uh, from Volantis. That'd be interesting to find out. That is a great point. I'll try to look that up. <laughs> that's a that's a good one. Um. So, you know, he's Damon's stressed out over the situation. And Myceria just stands up. Stunning. She is stunning. Uh, nothing on, but she says, uh, I can't do the accent very well, but she's like, what troubles you, my prince? I could bring in another, perhaps a maiden. I have several. I could even arrange one with silver hair. You are Damon Targaryen. Rider of Caraxes, wielder of Dark Sister, the king cannot replace you. And so you can tell he's definitely stressed about the situation. But um, then we kind of cut back over to Rhaenyra at this point, and she's at the tournament that's about to happen. And Viserys is giving an introduction speech. And Viserys said, says the queen is now in labor with a baby. And this is badass. Talk about more Game of Thrones kind of episode one there. The joust is back, man. So we're back in the in the realm of sport here in Thrones. And um, this mystery night begins and unhorses a man. Um, and Allison Wait one second. And, Wait one second. I want to yep. touch on this one part here real quick because mm-hmm. I think this is super important. Uh, because he disrespected Rhaenys in front of everyone. So one of the Baratheons walks up like on the horseback and puts his jousting stick up and asks for Rhaenys's, uh her favor and says to the queen that never was, which was super yeah. fucking disrespectful. And he did it in front of the whole everyone that came to the tournament. So he openly disrespected likely one of the top five most powerful people in Westeros. You know what I mean? Obviously, King yeah. Viserys is number one. You can argue Corlys is number two, maybe Damon. She's definitely somewhere in the top five of most important slash has the most power in terms of everything. You know, She's a Targaryen as well. And she was in line. Technically speaking, she should be the ruling queen, but because of politics, she's not. So the fact that he openly disrespected her in front of the whole realm there that showed up was, was crazy. And the fact that it was a Baratheon 
is really interesting because obviously we know the whole history from what we learned in Game of Thrones between, you know, Robert Baratheon and Rhaegar Targaryen. So it seems like the Baratheons and Targaryens have had like butting heads since day one. So just wanted to bring that up there. Absolutely. No, 100%. Uh, so this mystery knight uh, unhorses a man, and Alicent says he's a coal of the Stormlands. And Rhaenyra says, I've never heard of House Cole. Foreshadowing at its finest. <laughs> Foreshadowing at its finest. Uh, Rhaenys, um, at this point, so the cousin asked for a favor uh, if the queen who never was, like you said, would put a blue wreath around his lance, just like you said, you said that perfectly. And so they put the, but the point is I wanted to make a note that they put the wreath around it. Cause remember a lot of that even kind of happened with the whole Lyanna Stark thing that we mentioned in those bonus episodes, or we would talk about in season one. So uh, you're going to see a lot of these wreaths in this episode here, but Rhaenyra then asked Sir Harold who Sir Hild, how would you describe him? Like, what's really his role? Kind of like Brienne of Tarth, uh, I guess. Like, what's kind of his role? Like, he protects... Because he's not really sworn to protect Rhaenyra at the moment. But how would you describe Sir Harold? No, he's the commander of the Kingsguard. Like he's the yeah, he's commander a, of the Kingsguard. Yeah, he's yeah, he's the lead of the Kingsguard. Weird. Obviously, the Kingsguard has seven protectors, and he's the the head, the, you know, the commander of the Kingsguard. So that's what his role yeah, is. That's the word I was looking for, Kingsguard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sir Harold. Uh, uh, so Rainier asked Sir Harold about Sir Kristen Cole, and he says he doesn't know anything besides the fact that he unhorsed both the Baratheons. That's badass. Um, and then Damon, oh fuck yeah, all hell breaks loose. The road broke prince, baby. What, one announced... more thing about yeah. Kristen Cole there, just because I think this is kind of cool. It's another name that we're familiar with as Game of Thrones fans. So Sir Kristen Cole, not only did he unseat the two Baratheons like you mentioned, but Cole is a commonborn and he's the son of Lord Dundarian's steward. And remember Beric Dundarian from Game of Thrones, yeah. he played a big role. So definitely want to mention that he's the son of Lord Dundarian's steward at that time. So that's where Chris and Cole is and how he's related to some of the bigger houses. Even though he's from a commonborn, he served the Dundarian uh, house. So I thought that was pretty cool. So go ahead and continue on. My bad. Badass. No, that was badass. Um, so Damon, he shows up his badass dragon armor again it looks sick his uh helmet like it had it almost reminded me of a way if you've seen the movie 300 of like the greeks helmets it was pretty cool with like the feathers and stuff um but so damon chooses Gwen hightower of the oldest and eldest son of the hand of the king to joust against and people of course are placing bets on damon sir Gwen lances damon but gets unhorsed when Damon aims his lance at the horse's feet and tripping him. A pretty dirty move, but, you know, there's no rules in combat. <laughs> so there you go. But, yeah, it was pretty dirty. Um, Damon, cocky as shit, approaches the stand where Rhaenyra and Alicent are. And Rhaenyra says, nicely done, uncle. And Damon says, now I'm fairly certain I can win these games, Lady Alicent. Having your favor would all but assure it. And Alicent picks up a pink feathered wreath and places it around Damon's lance for good fortune, despite her father's bad looks, which is odd. Right. 
And that's exactly what I was just about to bring up. He's doing all this to get underneath Otto Hightower's skin because they've had their button heads since like, the small council meetings. And he's always been a thorn in Otto Hightower's side, Damon has. And so what he do? He decided he was going to joust his oldest son and get his <laughs> daughter's favor all in one fucking move there just to get just to get at Otto Hightower. He's, he's a petty motherfucker, man. Hilarious as shit. But damn, man, that, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a dirty move, man. <laughs> that's a dirty move. That's dirty. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, Allison says, good luck, my friends. And the series is told by Otto that the baby is being born. So the baby has turned, they find out, and they cannot give uh, Queen Emma any more milk of the poppy, which is basically like mor- morphine in this uh, society. And they cannot get the baby out. The tournament is continuing, and Corlys Valerian is discussing with Rhaenys if this is the proper way to celebrate the birth of an heir. And then the king is advised at this point, uh, at the same time, meanwhile, that the only way to save the baby is to cut out the baby, but the queen will die. And the king makes a choice to go forward with it. And Well, here's the thing. and It was an impossible choice, because it's not just like he mm-hmm. could have chosen her or the baby. It was either they both die or one definitely dies and yeah. still the baby might die. So it's like the the Emma was probably going to die regardless, right? Because you yeah. cut her open, she's going to die of blood loss. If you keep her in there, she's going to die because of the complications to the birth. So he didn't really have much of a choice. It's not like he could have been like, all right, let's just you know abort the baby here and and you know she'll be okay. Like no, that baby wasn't coming out and it was going to destroy her internally and she was going to die from the the complications of childbirth or she was going to die of blood loss and so he makes a choice of like hey well if we have a chance at saving one of them let's take it so it's not like he chose the baby over her let's not you know put it into that kind of perception because it's just not accurate but uh yeah definitely put into a tough position there yeah um so and this was a kind of a cool line it's not really important but the grand maester tells Viserys we must either act now or leave it to the gods so I thought it was kind of cool reminded me of like Greek mythology or something not important though but Damon is set to joust against Sir Kristen Cole talk about a fucking rivalry here man badass so uh, you know I got the battle breakdowns baby <laughs> let's make it happen <laughs> So, first round, Damon strikes Sir Kristen first. Second round, Kristen leans inside and strikes Damon on the inside. Then we cut back over to Viserys, and he's telling the queen, they're going to bring the babe out now. I love you. And they hold her down as they cut out the baby, and she is screaming. Back to the joust, though. (laughs) Third round! Kristen strikes Damon in the chest, unhorsing him, causing him to slide on the median rail all the way to the end. Badass as fuck. And uh, he falls onto the ground, and a servant tries to help Damon up, but he shoves him off like, get the fuck off me. And Damon has brought out a sword. They're going to duke this fucking shit out right now. Nobody fucks with my boy, man. Kristen has this fucking weird-ass mace. He reminded me of, like, the Witch King of Magmar. <laughs> of Angmar. What a Magmar? I think that's the Pokemon. Yeah, he has the mace, and it's, like, dangling there. Kristen swings the mace and misses. But Damon attacks seven times, not giving a fuck. And then Kristen Cole counters back, but attacks him four times. And blow for blow, they're going... 
and Damon's shield eventually breaks, but he gets the upper hand and kicks Sir Kristen to the ground. We cut back over to Viserys and the baby, and the baby is cut out of Queen Emma, and Damon back at the tournament. His sword gets caught in the chain of Kristen Cole's mace, and Kristen like throws him wrestling style to the ground. And then we cut back to the baby in Viserys and the queen is bleeding out and there's blood everywhere. And back to Damon and Damon gets off the ground, kicks Sir Kristen to the ground and Damon starts claiming victory like the pompous asshole he is. And I love him for it. I think this is the best thing he could have ever done. And Kristen lays on the ground like the beggar queen he is. (laughs) But Kristen gets up, smashes his mace against Damon and starts beginning to claim victory. And it's like these two won't give in to each other. Because Damon gets up, stabs Kristen in the leg from the ground. But Kristen holds on to him and demands for Damon to yield. And holds his, like, holds his weapon to Damon's throat. And Damon just starts to laugh and yields. A badass battle scene, man. It was awesome. What did you think of that battle? Honestly, you know, I've, Damon won and then turned his back. is very much reminiscent of Oberyn Martell versus the <laughs> the Mountain. You know, it was, it was definitely an easy win. He just decided to start like showing off and, like you said, putting his arms in the air, screaming like he, you know, like he's got to make sure his opponent's finished. And then, like what he did, what Kristen Cole did, kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. He hit him in the back with the mace. He didn't even do it to his yeah. face. He hit him in the back with the damn mace. And then that's where it all went to. And then, yeah, obviously, like you mentioned, it ended up getting with the Chris and Cole on top of, like, in the uh, position of, you know, victory. But still, like, I don't know. It, 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 that that just reminded me a lot of the uh, of the the Red Viper himself versus the Mountain. And, you know, at least Let's this time. Go ahead and no, say it, man. It's been a while. <laughs> Murdered her. Raped her! Killed her children! <laughs> I had to say it, man, for old times. It kind of was giving that vibe. Obviously, no one died in that one, right? So, and talk about this one here with Damon and, and Sir Chris and Cole. But he's very much kind of doing the same thing. Putting on a show for the crowd, screaming and hollering. And, yeah, that that was my thought of it. Like, damn, Damon, just make sure your guy's down for the count. <laughs> kind of like over Motel. Like, dude, just just kill him out and then do your celebration. What the fuck? <laughs> like, but, uh, yeah, that those are my thoughts on it. Dude, absolutely. So from this point, the baby is born and Queen Emma is dead. And uh, then we cut back to Sir Kristen. He removes his helmet. And Allison said, God, he's Dornish. And Kristen said, I was hoping to ask for the princess's favor. And looks at Rhaenyria. Rhaenyria tosses Kristen a, a red wreath and says, I wish you luck, Sir Kristen. And you kind of see this spark between these two at this moment. Uh, the baby is born, and there is a new heir, and his name is Balion. Uh, Balon. I thought it was very Balon. Yeah, sorry, Balion. Balon. It reminded me a little bit of like Balerion, similar to it, I guess. Similar to that, but, or like uh, you know. So I, I I could see like Balerion, uh, Balon, like the what was the other like the. the not Magor, but like the Sept of Balon. Wasn't that like wasn't the Sept of Balon one of the things or Sept of Baylor. Baylor, like that. So it's not yeah. like kind of similar to that, like Baylor, Valerion, Balon. It's all kind of fucking similar, right? But I do I do actually it's a really good point that you mentioned. Most of these dragons have similar names to uh various Targaryens throughout the history, mm-hmm. right? Like if you think about um 
Daenerys's dragons from the Game of Thrones series, like mm-hmm. Drogon for you know, Khal Drogo, then uh, Viserion for Viserys, and then um, Rhaegar for Rhaegal. Or yeah, you know they all like kind of somewhat sound similar, and, and so it's interesting. You know, Valerion, and we got Balon down the line. I just I think it's funny that the all the dragons seem to have a name that's similar to uh, somewhat some various Targaryen throughout history. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting, which I don't know, like, that's what it was named after. It was just a thought that came to my head, because a uh, side note, and you can hear this on our bonus episode we did a couple years back, but uh, King Viserys was the last writer of Balerion the Black Dread, and it was when Balerion was really old, and he wrote him as a young boy. They actually mentioned this in the series, which is cool, uh, not to give anything away, but um it's not really important but it's just a cool thought that you know this dragon that everyone talks about even going to the original show is still coming up again but um and to your point there to your point that actually makes sense now that i do believe that there is a level of connection between balon and balerion because like you said king viserys was the last person to ride balerion and we actually find that out next week so uh yeah we'll be talking yeah, going over this anyways anyway. <laughs> but uh, regardless, now that really does make sense why King Viserys I would name his son Balon because he was the last living rider to ride Balerion the Black Dread before Balerion died. So, no, that definitely, I definitely think there is a connection there for sure. Yeah. Um, so at this point, uh, so then, you know, when you thought there was hope, the baby dies in the Grand Maester's arms. Didn't see that coming. But this is Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, you know, here we go. Uh, so at this point, it was very interesting. You have Cyrax, the gold dragon on a hill. It looked very similar to when Daenerys was in front of uh, Dickon and, and uh, Samuel Randall Tarly on that hill in season seven. It was very similar to that. But instead, we're here for a funeral yeah, that was a funeral too, but no one was crying. <laughs> but here, everyone was crying and sad because this is like not a planned one. That was planned. This was not. <laughs> and uh, so they're on the hill. Everyone's sad. You know, you have uh, the bodies are wrapped up on the uh, pi- pylon. I call it a pylon. What do you got? The pyre? The funeral the pyre. pyre? Yeah, the funeral pyre. Yeah. Yep. Funeral pyre. And, and like, here's um, another thing too, though. We don't see the baby actually die in the maester's arm because it does say like, remember mm-hmm. she says in just a couple seconds. I'm sure you're probably gonna go through it. You know, in the few oh, hours, yeah, in the few hours that he lived, you know, I hope my father mm-hmm. found happiness. I know you're gonna jump into that, but uh, so we don't actually know the baby dies there, and it's supposed to be kind of a surprise because we see Emma's body wrapped up in the the custom mm-hmm. there, and then from Emma's body, all of a sudden we go the, the camera pans, and then you see like the baby sized body wrapped up too, and that was like the yeah. oh shit moment. Damn, the baby died too. So we thought the the yeah. funeral was just for Queen Emma. Little did we know the baby died as well a few hours right after her. So yeah, I just wanted yeah. to touch on that and make sure that was clear. Yeah, just to clear that up. Yeah, sorry, I said that because the last kind of scene we see besides that is like the Grand Maester was kind of holding him. So yeah, sorry, made a little, you know, implied assumption there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so at this point, uh, Damon, there's definitely always been a, um, it's very interesting, <laughs> the two of them. Uh, we won't talk about what happens later, but 
it's, at this point, I kind of feel it's more of like, I don't know. Did you get like the more like older brother vibe? Or it's kind of hard for me to say that because I know the future. <laughs> but like, are you getting like the older brother vibe between Damon and Rhaenyra? There's definitely a level of connection that they have that I don't think either of them share with anybody else. And mm. I don't know the nature of it. Obviously, we see we we both know the future of what happens. So kind of see what it develops into but i definitely think this is planting the seeds of a deep connection between damon and uh Rhaenyria. yeah so uh damon tells Rhaenyra that they're waiting for her and you know she's on the hill with the dragon and everyone's looking at the bodies and Rhaenyra says rovacoro vigaro kandunya notalin ak binyu akarim vanto bintas I wonder if during those few hours my brother lived, my father finally found happiness. And she starts to tear up. Damon, Kaba Kavak Devika, Wadadajus, Tobe towards Agavkalak, Laisa. Your father needs you now more than he ever has. Rainier says, Tridor Gigas, I will never be a son. And Rainier swallows back her tears, looks at her father. We have the classic line, man, Dracaris, <laughs> and Cyrax burns the bodies, and uh, what a powerful that scene is. Even, I mean, you know, that was my favorite word <laughs> for the longest time, but yeah, it really brings you back to the Game of Thrones realm here in that in such a powerful moment. So at this point, uh, so we go back to uh, the council. And Otto is discussing Viserys' succession. Corlys proposes Damon as king, to be king, because he's really the next in line, because there's no other male heir since the son is now dead. But Otto doubts Damon's ambition. I would too, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, well, I don't know. He, I don't he, know. he doesn't doubt. Think? He doesn't doubt Damon's ambitions. He doubts Damon's like capability to run yeah. uh, run the realm he's definitely got the ambition to do it i just think he he pretty much everyone on the small council was at odds and i found this interesting because lionel strong and lord corlys definitely backed damon to that obviously it makes sense mm -hmm. and then Otto hightower and the rest of the council were like nah man this guy is unhinged you can't have him as the, the heir so that's when Viserys starts to kind of get frustrated. Like, you're not going to have me choose between my daughter and my brother. What the fuck? You know what I mean? So, uh, I, yeah, man. I, I just, I thought it was cool because then immediately there was a third option that he came up with, talking about Coralise, and he basically backtracked uh, his support for Damon and went to his own damn wife, who, who already didn't get the throne the first time. So, it, yeah. it just, uh, it was a weird play of politics of, what makes sense for the realm? Who's got the best claim, blood-wise, lineage-wise? So that—that's what it was to me. It was—it was basically a play of politics versus claim, and what is the best combination of the two? That's what—that's what kind of stuck out to me during this time. What about you? Yeah, I, I think so too. It's—I'll—I'll um, I'll go out. I'll support my boy Damon, man, because um, people might not like his attitude because <laughs> the way he acts and the way he acts on I can't even say it's impulse because I don't think it is impulse honestly I think Rhaenyra 
reacts more on impulse than Damon does. I think he has a lot of misunderstanding with the way he acts, and he thinks about things before he does things, even though people do not agree with him. But what I'll say here is I think I it's hard for me to say he would be... I'm throwing the great debate card. I have to do it. Great debate card, baby. <laughs> so do you think Damon would have made a good king? I mean, who's to say he won't? Like, we know we're so early in the series, who well, knows yeah. what happens, right? I just mean for right? this exact moment, if you were arguing at the council table, what would your side be on this? Um, It's tough to say because Viserys is still alive. So it, at this point, it doesn't matter one way or the other. But if you're asking me opinion-wise, if I think he would make a great king or a good king or be the best choice for next in line to the throne... Probably not, because I think he is very quick to... I think he... It's very easy to agitate and irritate him, and I think he would not be the best protector of the realm, and that's part of the job of the king. Honestly, the main part of the king is to keep the realm at peace for as long as you can until you know war can't be avoided. And I just think he's one of those... Uh, strike first ask questions later kind of guy and I don't think that's what the realm wanted or needed would he be strong would some you know maybe the enemies fear him a bit more than they feared Viserys yeah absolutely but fear only gets you so far and you know he said he was a, they, they called Damon a spendthrift when he was master of the coin you know they, they so he doesn't know how to you know, manage things very well I just think he is a good warrior who can lead people and he is intelligent. He has his own sense of, you know, he always is playing chess himself, you know. And sometimes he gets outmaneuvered. But you can see he's not a dumb guy. I just don't think he is a good fit for a king. That's, that's my answer. I, I don't think I would. I, I like Damon. I think he should play a prominent role in whatever the plan is going forward for the Targaryens. I just don't see him as a great king. I think he would... He would set them back. I, I think that all the peace and stuff that they've enjoyed for so long, they would go away pretty quickly. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think I think he I think he is very intelligent, um, which you can see later on in the show that we'll get to on this arc. But I mean, just like the example of how he just decided to. Um, and minister his own sentencing <laughs> with the gold cloaks without any trial. I think that's where you would have more of the problem there. Uh, definitely wouldn't spark a lot of riots in the streets. And I, I think I don't exactly think Viserys is the greatest king by any chance, but um, he does do well with trying his best to form alliances. That's what I can say. And I don't personally see Damon making any effort to try to win any alliances over. I think it would be more of like, well, if you don't see it my way, then fuck you. Like, I think honestly, that's just kind of the way it is. So agree. And the great debate card goes off to the shadow realms. But I wanted to bring that up because I think that's a very interesting question. So uh, back to it. So at this point, uh, you know, Corlys is like you were saying, he's backing up Damon as king, but Otto doubts him, doubts he would be a good king. And Damon is secretly listening, kind of on the other side. 
And uh, the council proposes that the king name a successor, and they advise that Rhaenyra should have claim being a firstborn child, despite Lord Strong's dislike of the idea of naming a woman heir. Because remember, this is a patriarchal society. Today, that wouldn't be the case, but this is the way it was. Sorry. No, unfortunately, it was. Um, so Viserys gets upset and leaves because keep in mind, he's still kind of in mourning in this whole thing. He did just lose like the woman he loved. Um, and he had, even worse, he had to like choose to kind of didn't really choose, but that's the way it was. Otto is then sending a letter to Old Town and Otto asks Alicent how Rhaenyra is after her losses. Um, interesting case with Otto here. Uh, but Otto requests Alicent should go to the king's chambers and offer him comfort. So I think it was uh, not necessarily for his own benefit, but <laughs> I think he cared about the king. But I think there were also other intentions there. Just me personally. We can talk about that in a bit. But uh, So Otto says... You might wear one of your mother's dresses. That's where I have a problem. <laughs> That's where I have a problem, but whatever, man. <laughs> the, uh, Dude, like, yeah. think about that. Uh, you know, he basically told this child, hey, go give comfort to this old man and wear one of your mom, dead mom's dresses to look good while you do it. So that was kind of creepy for sure. Um, I, I mean, That's just... You know, I, I, you have to question the intentions behind it. Was it just to give comfort to the king? Was it maybe to plant the seed of, hey, you know, maybe you do need uh, someone else in your life that may, possibly could give you male heirs? You know, we, I don't know. Maybe he's thinking that far ahead at this point in time, or maybe it was just, you know, to strengthen his own position there. But I do think it's very interesting how Otto Hightower and the majority of the council backed Rhaenyria as the next ruling queen over Damon, mm -hmm. but then where we go in the series with Otto Hightower and his thoughts on that, how he initially was like all for Rhaenyra because he didn't want Damon. And then, you know, I'm not going to give it away, but let's just say yeah. his thoughts on who should rule the seven kingdoms changes. And I'll just say that. But yeah, um, yeah and who knows? Maybe this, this little uh, chipping his daughter off over to the king's quarters might have been part of this change in his mind. Who knows? But. Uh, yeah, it was a very interesting decision, and uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I think that's it's going to be a weird um, dynamic going forward. Absolutely. So uh, the king is still mourning the loss of Queen Emma, and Alicent brings Viserys a book to read him. As he's making this, you know, he's working on his sculpture. He's a carpenter and making his sculpture at King's Landing. He kind of gives the history books about it. For, and I then, don't think that was King's yeah. Landing, was it? Wasn't that old Valyria? Wasn't the model? Maybe. Like, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, maybe it was old Valyria. I just looked at it as like a sculpture. So I probably should have read more into that. But Yeah, I just looked at it. It just didn't look like King's Landing because King's Landing obviously yeah. has the the red keep on it. And there was no red keep in the model there. I think mm -hmm. it was supposed to be old Valyria because then he starts telling her about like the the dragons around it. You know, so... I just yeah. I think I think it was I could be wrong but I think that the model sculpture of the city I think that was meant to be old Valyria not King's Landing but I could be wrong. No, I think you're right. 100% because uh it it didn't look exactly like King's Landing. I just didn't look too much into it. So that's a good point. But 
Damon's got to get his stress out. So he goes back to the brothel. That's where he goes. And, of course, his girl is there just serving him wine, Masseria, and she proclaims to drink to their future, and the people demand Damon speak because he's king of the brothels. He's the brothel man. He's the old town brothel regular. <laughs> so he is going to take my to the old town brothel. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Anyways. Okay, so Otto, uh, at this point, we kind of cut back to Otto. So we're missing some time here. And Otto says, before we begin, your grace, looking at the king, I have a report I feel compelled to share. Last night, Prince Damon bought out one of the pleasure houses of the Street of Silk to entertain officers of the City Watch and other friends of his. And then we cut back over to Damon and he goes, King and council, I have long rued my position as next in line for the throne. But dream and pray, as they all might, it seems, I am not so easily replaced. The gods give justice, the gods take away. And Otto says, he toasted Prince Balon. And Damon says, to the king's son. And Otto says, he made himself heir for a day, (laughs) for the day. And then this is when, and he says, the evening was by all accounts, a celebration. And Damon is called to the throne room at this point where Viserys is, si- is sitting. <laughs> seating. I always say this moment is like if you're in fantasy football and you're working out a trade with someone, but then you go make a trade behind someone's back. <laughs> That's what this moment is. Viserys is but sitting also, there on the throne. Yeah. Also, let's talk about that for a second because I want to make sure the way you said it didn't sound so clear. What they when yeah. he mentioned like the heir for the day, that's what Damon styled Balon as. He toasted yeah. Balon as yeah. the heir for a day, and that's like mm-hmm. super disrespectful. That that was worse than when yeah. Lord Dendarrion in front of the whole realm called uh, Rhaenys the queen that never was. <laughs> right, never, so he did that, he and, and then, you know, obviously <laughs> the way how then you know keep in mind like. Damon's family, he's the brother of Viserys. Viserys lost his wife and his son on the same day, and Damon has the audacity to go into a brothel and proclaim Balon the heir for a day in a, in, a, in a celebratory way. So that's what the whole thing's about here, and that's why, you know, Viserys is going to do what you're about to say. Yeah, he's pissed, and it, that was pretty fucked up, man. <laughs> that was pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, so... Damon, of course, is there, and Viserys is seated on the throne, and Damon says, you cut the image of a conqueror, brother. Viserys said, did you say it? And then uh, Viserys says, you will address me as your grace, or I will have my king's guard cut out your tongue. The heir for a day, did you say it? Damon says, we must all mourn in our own way, your grace. My family has just been destroyed, but instead of being by your side, or Rhaenyra's, you choose to celebrate your own rise, laughing with your whores and your lickspittles. You have no allies in court but me. I have only ever defended you, yet everything I've given you, you've thrown back in my face. Damon says, you've only ever tried to send me away to the Vale 
to the city watch, anywhere but your side. Ten years you've been king, and not once have you asked me to be your hand. Viserys, why would I do that? Because I'm your brother, and the blood of the dragon runs thick. Then why do you cut me so deeply? I've only ever spoken the truth. I see Otto Hightower for what he is. Viserys, in a wavering and loyal hand, a cunt! A second son who stands to inherit nothing. He doesn't seize for himself. Otto Hightower is more honorable man than you could ever be. He doesn't protect you. I would. From what? Yourself. Your weak, Viserys. And that council of leeches knows it. They all prey on you for their own ends. Viserys, I have decided to name a new heir. Damon. And Viserys, um... You will return to uh, you will return to your lady wife at once, and you are to do so without quarrel by the order of your king. And Damon tries to take a step forward, but the king's guard stops him. Viserys cuts himself on the throne, symbolizing a weak king, and then Rhaenyra starts to uh, goes towards the skull of Balira and the Black Dread. So you definitely have. An issue here, and then Damon, of course, exits the room right before Viserys meets with Rhaenyra. But it um, definitely, I guess, I could say, started a conflict in a way. I think it's like it's interesting to me though, because it's almost like Damon was pissed about it, but more like if literally like if someone in your family like yells at you and you're like pissed so you go leave for a while and you're like whatever i'll deal with it my own way but i think the series definitely took it more um disrespectful than damon did about the new heir what do you think yeah i i mean Viserys said it great i don't think there's much room for interpretation there he said instead of being by my side or by rhaenyra's side you were off celebrating with your whores and licks fiddles toasting your own rise like you were you were more happy for yourself than you were offering condolences and support for me and my family after i lost my wife and my son you know it was he was basically yelling at him and chastising him for being selfish and it got to the point, and it's funny because what likely would have happened if Otto Hightower wasn't such a bitch snitch, he probably would have <laughs> he probably would have stayed heir. You know, at the end of the day, I don't believe Rhaenyra at this point wanted the throne. You know, I don't think she mm-hmm. you know really I don't think it mattered to her that much. Damon, that's definitely what he wanted. And between the two, obviously Rhaenyra is not even of age yet, right? So it makes makes sense to have Damon named the heir at least at this point, and he probably would have. And then he pulls this bullshit of, you know, going to the whorehouse and celebrating. And then Otto Hightower snitches on his ass. And now we're, we've got this big conflict where Vis- now we've got the two brothers pitted against each other. Viserys uh, disairs dis- him, basically tells him, you're not the heir anymore. We've got a new heir. And Damon's like, but I'm here. He's like, not anymore. You're going to go back to <laughs> on Runestone. And you're going to get the hell out of here. You're going to do it without giving me any, any rara. You're done. You're out of here. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I just think that it was um, Viserys definitely took a heart, and he should. I don't think I think Damon was for sure in the wrong and they're in the situation. Not, I don't care how you mourn in your own way. Mourning is not celebrating the demise of some person and you know the success of your own in the same sentence, especially with these common folk who don't even really care about you. They just care about your name. You know what I mean? You think those whores really care yeah. about Damon? Like, no. <laughs> like, I just think it's very silly. So. 
yeah, that that's my thoughts on it. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I, I think I think you're right. Um, so at this point, so when Viserys is meeting with Rhaenyra and they're in the room with the skull of Beleriand, the Black Dread, and it's badass. You see the candles everywhere. And that skull, just like we saw in Game of Thrones, is huge. Um, Viserys says, uh, when you look at the dragons, what do you see? Rhaenyra says, I see us. Everyone says Targaryens are closer to gods than they are to men, but they say that because of our dragons. Without them, we're just like everyone else. Viserys says, the idea that we control the dragons is an illusion. They're a power that men should never have trifled with. One that brought Valyria its doom. If we don't mind our own histories, it will do the same to us. Targaryens, we must understand this is to be king or queen. I'm sorry, Rhaenyra. I have wasted the years since you were born, wanting a son. But you are the very best of your mother. I believe it. I know she did. That you could be a great ruling queen. Rhaenyra says, Damon is your heir. Viserys, Damon was not made to wear the crown. But I believe that you were. And then everyone is starting to pledge faith to Rhaenyra at this council. And you kind of see a cutback of back and forth with her wearing, you know, the heir princess kind of crown thing. And Viserys says, this is no trivial question, Rhaenyra. Dragon saddle is one thing, but the Iron Throne is the most dangerous seat in the realm. Then we see Damon. And he's going to his badass fucking dragon, Caraxes, baby. The blood worm. This thing looked fucking sick. It looks like a worm. Uh, it was badass. What do you think of Caraxes, man? Caraxes is awesome. And even in a couple seconds, the way it flies and how its wings are, are it's, just, it, it's very unique. You can, if all the dragons that are flying around, you can tell Caraxes is just different than the rest. And he looks cool. I'll, I'll give you that. And... I also think it's funny he decided to bring his Hormus Misario with him. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> well, I, I thought that was kind of fun. But yeah, no, that uh, that is a really cool dragon. And I, I'm really excited. That's the one thing I've always praised Game of Thrones on. They have made the most badass-looking dragons using the CGI and special effects out of any fantasy fiction show or movie to date. You know, and it's not just of one style. They've shown they can do it in different ways because Caraxes looks way different than Drogon and uh, Serax looks different than Caraxes. I mean, they, they really do a great job of showing how they are different and how they, you know, they physically do not all resemble each other. It's really cool. I really enjoyed it. So that's what I thought about it. Oh, amazing. Much better than, what was it, the 2000 Aragon film when I was so pumped <laughs> the for 2005. Sephira. Yeah, that and was that's awful. what we got. Uh, foreshadowing Disney Plus, they're saving us there. Hopefully, let's hope so, <laughs> man. <to> let's <laughs> hope, man. We've been saved so far. Got to step back into the world of Thrones. So <laughs> here we are. So um, yeah, you you said it best. I mean, uh, his uh, his side girl, because it's technically not his main girl, because he doesn't like to fuck sheep. So she's there, <laughs> my Syria. <laughs> so, um, but then back to the series, and he says to Rhaenyra, and this is very important here. I want everyone to pay attention because this is a big piece. There is something else I need to tell you. It might be difficult for you to understand, but you must hear it. Our histories, they tell us that Aegon looked across the black water from Dragonstone, 
saw a rich land ripped from capture, but ambition alone is not what drove him to conquest. It was a dream. And just as Danes foresaw the end of Valyria, Aegon foresaw the end of the world of men. Tis to begin a terrible winter. Gusting out of the distant north, Aegon saw absolute darkness riding on those winds, and whatever dwells within will destroy the works of the living. When the great winter comes, Rhaenyra, all of Westeros must stand against it, and of the world of men is to survive, it is a Targaryen that must be seated on the Iron Throne, a king or a queen strong enough to unite the realm against the cold and the dark. Aegon called his dream the Song of Ice and Fire. And then this is when Viserys grips the cat's paw dagger, baby, the same one Arya had. Uh, and we know where that came from. Go back to our bonus episodes. He said, The secret is being passed from king to heir since Aegon's time. Now you must promise to carry it and protect it. Promise me this, Rhaenyra. Promise me. I, Viserys Targaryen, first of my name, King of the Andals and Ryanar and the First Men, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms and Protector of the Realm, do hereby name Rhaenyra Targaryen, Princess of Dragonstone and heir to the Iron Throne. And Rhaenyra is being proclaimed heir. People are uh, swearing their allegiance to her. And Damon flies off on Caraxes with Masseria. And the episode ends, baby. It was a fucking banger. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Let's go. What are your takeaways for this episode, Jay Nelly? And that was one hell of a way to end the episode. Uh, you know, in the, the House of Dragon writers did a great job with this one. Uh, what I thought about it, the full takeaway... I mean, it sucked me back in. You know, I was so disappointed with how Game of Thrones ended in season eight that I was kind of leery, uh, hesitant to really get sucked into this show. And this show had everything. It had, you know, the dragons. It had the politics. It had, you know, the city. Every single Game of Thrones opening pilot episode always has someone's head getting cut off. It was awesome. Like the White Walker did it in Game of Thrones in episode one and in, in season one of Game of Thrones back in 2011. This one when Damon cut off the murderer's head with uh, Dark Sister, his sword there. So everyone always loses the heads. So we had some action. We had the tournaments there. We had the politics going on. We got to see people making plays for advancement in their own, like, you know, trying to, you know, Lord Corlys, for example, he, he's trying to get yeah, you, know, you know his wife back in the fold there, and you can see that the small council—they are not all agreeing on everything. Some back Damon, some back Rhaenyra, and then we have the—you know—the heir being born, but then dying within hours. So you're like, oh, cool, like everything's finally okay. Oh shit, no, it's not. The the, the queen's dead now, and the boy is gone too. So. Now we're kind of really fucked because he can't make any more babies because his wife's dead. So shit, now we're really kind of screwed. And now we're pitted between his brother and his daughter. Where are we going to go with this? And, you know, it had everything. And then at the very end, to foreshadow what happens 172 years later, what's going on. Like when Daenerys is born, the death of the Mad King. And I'm just going to go ahead and read that one more time. because This is one hell of a way to end an episode. Aegon had a dream. He foresaw the end of the world of men. 
it will begin with a terrible winter gusting out of the distant north. Aegon saw absolute darkness riding on those winds, and whatever dwells within will destroy the world of the living. When this great winter comes, Rhaenyra, all of Westeros must stand against it, and if the world of men is to survive, a Targaryen must be seated on the Iron Throne, a king or queen strong enough to unite the realm against the cold and the dark. Aegon called his dream the Song of Ice and Fire. The secrets have passed from king to heir since Aegon's time, and now you must promise to carry it and protect it. Promise me this, Rhaenyra. Promise me. That's crazy, because now we've got a huge foreshadow of everything that has came already in our lifetime that we've seen through the Game of Thrones of what's going on there. It took over almost, I guess, by the time it was all set, we're probably approaching 195 years, almost 200 years in total from the time Viserys gave her this information to when this all came to a head in Game of Thrones, the, the, the first original eight seasons, and when we got the obviously the long night in Winterfell and he said whatever whatever dwells inside those winds which is obviously the White Walkers they, but it's just foreshadowing all these really cool events and I think it's badass and like you mentioned like the cat's paw dagger and, and how you know what's even different about it though and I, we won't talk about it now but that dagger there's something special about the blade there yeah. that we don't even pay attention to in the original ones because it's not said so this this series is kind of going back and like I said I think it's trying to I don't so much correct mistakes but at least show it and make it so later on they can correct it by going back in time and really doing this whole thing and it's also really cool too because he said king or queen and keep in mind you know one of the biggest uh, aspects of this whole thing is the prince or princess that was promised right and, and that was uh, like we talked about the high valyrian uh, you can utilize the words and I just, it's, it's very very cool how they did this so in terms of my takeaways, it was a badass episode. Way to start it off. Really got us all sucked in. I don't think you could have done it much better. Uh, the <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I think that is the best I can say. I give it 9.2 out of 10. Same here, man. It, it definitely sucked me back into the realm. Uh, in the words of uh, Littlefinger, and you know what the realm is, it's a thousand blades of Aegon's enemies. But everyone knows it's a lie. Hell <laughs> oh, yeah! 100% man, I was right on board with you. It took me back. Uh, they did it perfectly. The writing was fantastic. Uh, especially because, you know, what's interesting, we talked about this before, there's only one book based on this because George takes all his time. Um, and So they're having to put in their own details here. And uh, honestly, like I know people have read Fire and Blood. I've read Fire and Blood. It's a historical anthology. It's not like Son of, a Song of Ice and Fire. And it's um, not, I mean, it's definitely not as big as the original Song of Ice and Fire series. So they're having to make their own take on it. And I like the way they've done it. And, uh, and the writings meshed up excellent. Um, and then, uh, I'll, uh, yeah, so I agree with you. I'd give it a 9.8. Talk about a big banger to start the series, man. They, Game of Thrones came out swinging. There was a lot of debate uh, based on how season eight went, especially with there's so little of a book. I don't want to say little. I mean, you know, it's like 400 pages, but that's all you have for a whole series because uh, George has still been working on wins for 10 years, practically. <laughs> but so this is like what you have. So like for... There was a lot of controversy wondering how this would go based on how things went with season eight. And there was really nothing to go on there besides what George could just kind of convey on his own. And 
I think they hit a home run from the beginning, and I, I think they've saved the Game of Thrones universe. Yeah, they've saved it. And, um, yeah, 9.8. Any debates you had for this episode? Yeah, just uh, one here, and it's interesting because it's almost like history repeated itself in terms of this timeline, right? King Jaehaerys called a great council for all the lords to come and cast their vote of who should be the next heir. Why didn't Viserys do the same thing? Like he could have, he kind of really made that an easier choice. And at least he couldn't take the blame for making the wrong decision here because it would have been, you know, a, a vote of the majority of all the lords. So instead of just having to choose like Daemon or Rhaenyra, and I know that it's going to come into play later with you know possibly him taking another lover, and you know we'll see how that plays out because that's another option that looks like it's going to be explored, especially you know with the whole go see him in his quarters with your mo- dead mother's dress, that kind of nonsense. But <laughs> uh, you know I I just don't know why he just decided to go small council with this and instead to be like, hey, listen, I'm going to open this up to who the realm thinks because that's that's what. King Viserys is is he's the king of he's the realm. It's his job is to protect the realm, and so if he doesn't want the realm to fall into disarray, like hey, let's go ahead and bring this all together, and that way Rhaenys isn't going to be pissed off because Rhaenys is the one they they all voted against her. So let's say that he brings them all together and they vote against Rhaenyra and Daemon's in there. They, they like the, the small council can't say shit. They're like, hey, listen, this is who the realm thinks is going to be the the best option. So if they choose Daemon. Y'all got to get on board because everyone's cool with it. I mean, he might destroy it, but at the end of the day, it wasn't my fault. Everyone voted on him. So my question in my debate is like, why the hell didn't Viserys just call a great council and have them help decide who was going to be the next heir, just like his his grandfather Jaehaerys did? <laughs> my thoughts on I you can. My thought on that was maybe it's like more personal with Damon, and I think he kind of was hoping when Damon came in. It might—I I don't have any factual evidence backing this. This is just a thought I have. I wonder if when he called Damon in to find out if it was true, if there would really be a conflict there between them. And Damon called him out. He said, "You know, you're weak and all this stuff." I think maybe he was kind of hoping that maybe it wasn't quite true to if it was, um, there would be more of an apology there. So maybe Damon would be able to kind of give more support. Because just like he said, I've only ever defended you. I'm your only ally in that court. So I think in a way he was hoping it would more go with um damon would be more apologetic in a way so he could try to side with damon so i think that's why it came down to that and then he decided on a spur of the moment on a pissed decision this is what i'm doing that's kind of my thought for it but i don't have any factual evidence backing that but i think that's probably why otherwise i don't know why you wouldn't call a council on that so i mean i'm really surprised too just like you said before which I like Rhaenyra. I think I think she's. I like Rhaenyra now. I'll say that. I like her at this exact moment in time. Is what I mean to say. <laughs> it's exactly what I, I like her in this episode. <laughs> That's what I'll say. But um, my point being is, 
I'm surprised the council was so for it because not that I'm against a woman being heir. I have no problem with it, honestly. I think Rainier is very smart, and you know she was she was a great military leader. She's very smart and intellectual, but they the lords threw a damn fit over Rainier, and it was the lords that chose the series. So, like, that's my big problem here. I'm not trying to make anyone mad about the situation because I have no problems with a woman being king or being queen. I have no problems with a woman being ruler. I was a big Daenerys fan. My problem is you basically shit on Rainies, and then all of a sudden we're making up our own fucking rules? Like, where the fuck did that come from? Sorry. Like, it, it, this, is, this is my issue here, and I'm fine publicly posting shit because... It was the lords that decided to make Viserys king. Otherwise, he would have never been there. And now Viserys, I'm sorry, but what you say means very little. (laughs) Because you weren't the one (laughs) that was even supposed to rule. The lords put you in command. So you just, uh, which we'll get into this later in the later episodes... Because there is a very significant person that says you skipped all lines of tradition and law just because you decided to come up with some shit out of your ass? Like, I'm sorry, but this is not the way it's supposed to go. I don't have a problem with it. I think Rhaenyra is phenomenal. Make her hand to the king if you want. But, like, you just basically said, fuck this whole law. (laughs) I'm just going to make up my own shit is what you decided. What are your thoughts on that? I guess what I would say, there's a couple things that play into it for me. Maybe they wanted... That was the first time, I believe, in the Targaryen dynasty where there wasn't a true line of succession talking about from Jaehaerys to Viserys, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe Viserys didn't want to seem... You know how how bad would that look if they can't decide their own succession twice that they've got to call lords and it's like well shit like we if we've got to decide it for you maybe the Targaryens shouldn't be in charge period you know yeah. so I don't maybe that's what we'll make the Baratheons in charge let's go ahead and skip a few years <laughs> right <laughs> so I think that might be part of it is they you know, Viserys doesn't want to seem weak like they need the realms help to make a decision of who should lead because at that point they're like well if you can't decide why the hell should you be in charge why should the Targaryens still do this thing so maybe yeah. in his mind because it was only a his 10th year, right? It was ninth year of his rule, but I think by the time the episode came to an end, it was probably somewhere near year 10, I think is what we're going to talk about next week. But mm-hmm. regardless, that's that's not that long, right? So 10, 10 years to you know for having the great council pick Jeha- uh, from Jaharis to Viserys the great council picking him 10 years ago that's not that's not a big gap because remember Jaharis the, the old king ruled for almost 60 years. Right, yeah. so that's that's a decent amount of time. So maybe that's why the, the time has like they doesn't want to have to the whole realm to do that all over again and make it seem that they can't get their shit together. The Targaryens. So yeah. that's definitely part of it. I also definitely think that if Damon didn't get in his own way and fucking go to that pleasure house and toast to the death of Balon, he likely would have been named the heir. Honestly, I really think Viserys. Yeah. Would have done it eventually because he was his only friend at court. He was defending Damon. You know, he wouldn't outwardly give all the support for him. He didn't appreciate what he did with the City Watch and making that big show or skeptical their spectacle because he ended up saying, you know, hey, if that happens again, you're gonna have to answer for that. You can't be doing that in the streets. <laughs> you know, so I, I definitely think that, and we're also gonna see this too. There's a few times where Viserys, 
you know, ends up making amends with Damon. I'm just going to say that. I'm not going to give any specifics on it, but, you know, I do think he really does love his brother Damon. He was just really hurt by the situation, and so Damon really screwed himself. That's what I really think happened. So I, I think in Viserys' I wouldn't say perfect world, because in this perfect world, him and Emma would have had a son, and that would have been the new heir. But unfortunately, his wife is dead and his son died too, so it's no longer a perfect world. I guess what's left of the most ideal situations is that he's going to pass it on to Damon because he's a male heir, and he seems like he, he you know, is, is what it is in terms of his temperament he doesn't have the best temperament but it makes the most sense we don't want to throw the realm into a whole tizzy because you know it was they didn't want rainy says queen so why the heck would we go through that again but then damon pissed him off and he's like you know what now we are going to go ahead and break tradition rainiria is going to be queen and they're just going to have to deal with it because now i made the choice and we're going to make the best of it and and now I think this kind of sets everything in motion in a negative way. If Damon would have just chilled out for a whole night and if Otto Hightower wasn't bitch snitching, maybe we wouldn't have this problem. But uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess um, I did. I answer your question. I want to make sure I answer your question there. I just you know, the main question was why the hell they didn't hold a great council. And I think. You know, you went yeah. into a whole thing. So, but I guess my answer. I just want to make sure yeah. I kind of answered it. I mean, my answer really is because I don't think they held a council because he just made a spur of the moment decision. Yeah. But what what debate do you have for the day? My debate is based on that dream he spoke of. Do you think we're ever going to see the White Walkers in this series? Yes, <laughs> I do. I think it's going to probably be the very last episode or very, very close to the last episode of the series. And, you know, I don't know exactly how or where it's going to tie in, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the last scene we get a pan out. Because I'm hoping because uh, I, I think the wall is mentioned next episode, the one we're going to talk about next week. And, you know, so maybe we get a little view of that and maybe the one thing we see is the first White Walker, maybe the Night King himself, you know, shaking off the, the, the ice, so to speak, and, you know, coming, coming back to the world of the, of the living and at the very, very beginning, and then he starts collecting his, his army. So I do think we do see the White Walkers, maybe specifically the Night King, and I think we might get it for one quick scene as a teaser before it goes into, you know, whatever it's going to come after House of Dragon, which ideally in my, you know, perfect world would be Robert's Rebellion. Really cool to see that. Yeah. So if this leads up to Robert's Rebellion, that'd be super cool. I don't know that it does. But I, I, to answer your question directly, I do think we get to see the White Walkers or specifically just the Night King. It's going to be a fleeting moment. It's going to be a very quick scene in my... In, that's what I'm just predicting. Obviously, I don't know for a fact. But I'm predicting a quick last second scene. We're going to see him emerge from the ice or wherever he's you know, currently contained in. And we're going to be like, oh, shit. I think that's going to be really cool. What about you? I think so, too. I think with... Uh, I think we're going to have to have something. Because you're making all these full circle comments. And I just feel like it... Um, we know it, it, at least there's something over there. We at least know it exists. They just haven't been out that far yet. 
So I don't know how anyone will get over there, what may happen, but I think we could see something. Um, last thing is, so this has been announced by the House of Dragon, uh, you know, the people making the show. So the original thought was they were going to do as many seasons as Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, because now with all the spinoffs, they have announced and George has announced it. And I think this is one of kind of my fears with what we get into some of the other episodes with time jumps and stuff. They are trying to do four full seasons and that will end this series. And I that's my big fear is they're not going to take their time with this. But I do have a lot of um, excitement for it. I think another reason is to because recently Amelia Clark was at Comic-Con and someone asked her, do we think we will get any insight into uh, Daenerys in the Snow spinoff? She, what she said exactly was, I can't promise anything, but no one knows where her body is. <laughs> Do you think they're shortening this to four seasons because Mr. Kit is on the phone with Amelia right now and we're talking about righting our wrongs? And it's supposed to be a limited series like Obi-Wan? Like, what do you think? Like, why do you think they're deciding to do this in four seasons now? Damn, I didn't even know that was confirmed. Uh, I have yeah. to take a look into that. But I was really looking forward to ten full seasons of this shit. Um, because yeah. at that point, I figured within ten seasons, we definitely could adequately lead up to Robert's Rebellion. But it doesn't look like that's the way mm-hmm. they're going with it. So it uh, depends on how directly they stick to that you know if it was initially supposed to be 10 seasons i find it hard to believe they're going to stick to four if the audience is really into it and really you know the the pressure that the internet could put on the producers Mm -hmm. and creators of the show so i don't know um but i just don't think that the creation of snow should have any effect on what's going on in house of dragon they're completely two different time frames like who gives a who gives a fuck you know just go ahead and go through all of even film both at the same time if you want you know what i mean that they they Mm -hmm. don't need to to coincide they're not going to line up timeline wise regardless because snow is going to happen after game of thrones the original game of thrones series so what the fuck does it matter this is not going to go all the way through game of thrones it's going to lead up either yeah probably to robert's rebellion or even before that right mm-hmm. so what like right. why why shorten it it makes no sense to me so if they're shortening it maybe there's because they're going to come up with another mini series between that time period and robert's rebellion and then probably do a mini series on robert's rebellion so it, in, in my mind maybe they're just cutting it up into a bunch of mini mini series instead of just doing one all the way through don't know why but i don't necessarily think that snow has anything to do with it because i just it wouldn't matter. The, 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 the timelines yeah. just don't add up, so it wouldn't make sense. Go ahead and film Snow while you still film House of Dragon. And the only thing I could think of is maybe yeah. George R. R. Martin just doesn't have enough time in the day to do both simultaneously and ideally mm-hmm. still write Winds of Winter if he's even still doing that or not, unless he just scrapped that fucking book. <laughs> scrapped Who knows? It, like, he scrapped it. Honestly, right? I have no fucking idea. But yeah, yeah I just. He's working on video game scripts on the side, like Elden Ring. Like, <laughs> what's the deal, dude? <laughs> he's just doing side quests at this point. He doesn't even want <laughs> But yeah, dude, I don't know. I just don't think the Snow series should have any effect on how long this you know, House of the Dragon series goes. Mm-hmm. That, that's my thought on it. What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that should. I do. What I'll say about the Snow series, I think the reason they're doing it, and they've already stated it's a limited series, it's not going to be multiple seasons. Like, that's just going to be it. And I think they are doing it to try to right wrongs, is what I think. I don't know if Amelia will be in it or not, but I guess we'll see. I'm just embracing it for whatever it is, really. Um, uh, one thing that was really cool is they've talked about trying to get Henry Cavill in the Thrones universe in doing Aegon the Conqueror series, which I think, um, I don't know how good it'd be. I'd be excited to see it, but I would be really excited to see the Black Dread on screen. Like, I think that would be amazing. Um, that's something I've always looked forward to, whether it's Henry Cavill or not. But do you think there, that'd be cool to see an Aegon the Conqueror uh, spinoff? Yeah, it'd be really cool, especially, I mean, we've seen how Henry Cavill looks in The Witcher. That basically looks like a Targaryen right there, so you can kind of picture him riding the largest dragon to ever exist in the Game of Thrones universe. That would be super cool, and then maybe you could actually see his dream that they they foreshadow here in this episode and go backwards, forwards, whatever you want to do with the Game of Thrones universe. Yeah, it'd be really cool to see. I don't necessarily think I want to see it next, but... um, I don't hate it. I think it'd be cool. I think he would make a great egg on the conqueror. He's built for it. He already wears the the silver hair well with the Witcher, so it's not a big stretch of the imagination to think that he could pull off being egg on the conqueror. I don't mind it. I you know. And yeah. As far as the you know, we go back to that that snow question there, and, and and you know no one knows where Daenerys' body is. Of course, they've got to kind of write some wrongs, but I don't know if they can write all the wrongs just in one season there. So. In my mind, they're probably just going to keep making a bunch of miniseries, almost similar yeah. to what Marvel's doing, you know, and maybe having mm-hmm. some big feature ones, hopefully. I, I mean, ideally, we're going to get long 10-season productions again. I don't know. I would yeah. like to see that. I want to get stuck with one thing for a long period of time and just have all the details really nicely. Like, basically, what Game of Thrones was trending to do before they fucked up season 7 and 8. You know what I mean? Yeah, so Exactly. Yeah, that's what I would mm-hmm. like to see, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen it seems like it's we're going to get a bunch of mini series which is still going to be cool and they're probably all going to piece together and every time with each other and that'll be fun for us here at factor fantasy kind of piecing together what matches up with what things and we'll enjoy doing it but just me as a fan of fantasy fiction i would love to just be able to focus in on one series and have 10 years of it and just details and you know all great writing great acting great imagery and just have something come together for once uh, you know and, and just all of it you know just having a great overall production so we'll see what happens man yeah Yeah. and uh just to kind of give my final thought real quick is uh you know george is supposed to be trying to write like a fire and blood part two that leads up through robert's rebellion who knows if we'll ever get that ever in our lifetime who knows if we'll ever get winds of winter or dreams of spring i would think it would be badass if on the show we had the opportunity to cover the books from like fire and blood all the way through song of ice and fire but uh, that's a true dream of spring of mine. <laughs> so I don't know if it'll ever happen, <laughs> but who knows, man. And on that, I'm going to let you go ahead and close us out for the day. Sounds like a plan, guys. So if this is your first time tuning into us, we hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've been here since the beginning, thank you for joining us again. We're back being the shield. You guys are back being the uh, shields that guard the realms of fantasy. She says that we, we coined that phrase during the original 
uh, Game of Thrones uh, arc that we did in season one. So kind of funny that's going full circle here towards the end of season two for Factor Fantasy. So uh, if this is, like I said, if you don't know where to find us on social media, though, we're, we're everywhere. So on Instagram, we're at official ridiculous Patronus. On TikTok, we're at Ridiculous Patronus. We have a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus. We're on Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. We even have our own website, RidiculousPatronus.blogspot.com. So find us there on those social sites. Follow, like, subscribe, comment. Do all those great things that provide the engagement that we enjoy seeing. And then in terms of the podcast itself, you can go ahead and follow us. If you're an Apple user, we are on Apple Podcasts. We're on iTunes. If you're an Android user, we're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Podbean. We're on Citra, Acast. We're on Audible. We're on Amazon Music. Wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.